a Bitcoin. It sounds like a delicious coin. No, why does it need to be paper anyway? It can just be like in the heat. Hi, and welcome back to Bitcoin Sandwich. This is Guy and James. Today is January 10th, and the price of Bitcoin is $847 on Bitstamp. And I got a joke for you, Guy. All right, let's hear it. How many Bitcoiners does it take to change a light bulb? No idea. Only one, but at least 51% have to confirm it or it didn't happen. <laughs> well, thanks for that, James. So today we have a guest with us, and his name is Matt Carson. And he's probably better known to some of you Bitcoin gurus as Bob Sag 3 And he owns a minor hosting company called Minor Hosting LLC that hosts for some uh, mining companies called DZ Miner, Co-op, and a number of other folks. But we'll get more of that information from him, and uh, let's, let's see how it goes here. Great. Hi, Matt. Hi. How's it going? So, we've got a lot of stuff in the news lately. Um, first, I want to say, Bazinga. <laughs> Zynga, or however you say that, the online gaming company, uh, started taking Bitcoin, and Bitcoin price shot way up. So, you know, my Bitcoin wallet is looking better because of uh, people playing Farmville and whatever other games they have. I don't know, but... I think they've joined the short list of poorly run companies now that accept Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, them and Overstock, but Overstock actually had $124,000 worth of sales in the first 21 hours that they started accepting Bitcoin. Yeah, that's some good marketing tool there, huh? Yeah, but it's it's funny how everybody thought these companies were uh, poorly run and were kind of over the hill, and now everybody now that they're accepting Bitcoin, they're great companies that are well run and have great ideas. It's free advertising for them. That's, that's true. true. Not only that, it's a payment system that doesn't cost them anything to implement. Right. Yeah, we've talked about that on a previous episode, how um, it's cheaper than taking credit cards. Credit card is going to charge about 3%, and Coinbase is 1%. I mean, with their volume, they've probably negotiated better rates on, on both ends. But either way, it's saving them some money. All right. So in other news, we've got a, uh, a new danger to Bitcoin. I don't know if you heard about this one, Matt. Um the Stamp Payments Act of 1862 <laughs> evidently prohibits an American from using a note or token or transferring a, of anything less than $1. So, you know, a lot of Bitcoin transactions are for less than $1. In fact, we voted, uh, we had people vote on this podcast on Let's Talk Bitcoin for less than a dollar. So I think we're all breaking a law that's 150 something years old. That's one thing the government does is dig back a long time to find some BS. Well, I mean, the average American commits 10 felonies on their way to work. That's so I guess now we can make it 11. Yeah, there you go. I accidentally sent someone too few bitcoins, and now I'm breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> but in regards to a real threat to uh, bitcoin, ghash.io, they were... Um, looking at reaching about 45% of the hashing power on Bitcoin. Yeah, at 3 a.m. this morning, they reached 45%. Wow. Now, I, I don't understand why that's a threat. What does that mean? Um, if someone gains control of 51% of the network at 
theoretically allows them to uh, create what's called a double spend, which allows them, because they control, as far as I understand, the majority of the network, it allows them to propagate a double spend transaction to the nodes faster than the other miners can say, no, you already spent that coin. That makes sense. But because of the nature of a double spend, it's against their nature. Why would all of these people and companies that mine at gigahash.io, why would they undermine Bitcoin? It's right. directly against both their interests and just natural human greed. If Bitcoin's value drops, then all of those people lose money. But it's also, that's the thing about Bitcoin, is that we only have to trust Bitcoin. That if Ghash or some other pool reaches 51%, we're then trusting that pool not to go against their own interests in uh, doing a double spend or, or trying to bring down the Bitcoin network. Yeah, I mean, it does It does kind of rely upon you know the personalities of these pool operators, but at the same time, if you're going to make a system based on trust, one that relies on human greed and you know self-interest is probably one of the safer ways to go. Look at the financial regulation we have in most Western countries. You can definitely not say that it, it favors the small person. It definitely favors those who have the money to write the laws. This way, at least, you know, it, it, it's not going to change. Someone can't come along and legislate, oh, well, now you only need this much to operate a double spend, or now this central authority now has the ability to print more bitcoins. Yeah. It's trusting in, in human nature and mathematics. So it very, it's, it's a risky proposition, but at the same time, we have no other kind of uh, financial system that gives every single person such a say. Because all it takes for gigahash.io to drop back down is for everyone to decide, we don't support this pool anymore. We're going to change one line of code in every one of our miners. Why is gigahash so popular? Zero uh, percent fees, and because uh, the company CEX.io, which offers hashing for purchase as a commodity, their entire pool, all of their hash rate that they sell and everything operates on the gigahash.io pool. So they have both the private people who decide to mine there, anybody who buys a Bitfury device from Bitfury directly or their U.S. resellers comes pre-configured to use that pool, and it's their preferred pool. So you've got – there's a lot of incentive to mine there. If you mine at gigahash.io and you own shares of cex.io, your hash rate's combined and – made nice and pretty in one interface rather than having miners across different pools. Okay. So there's a couple of benefits, but nothing that gets even close to the negative of undermining the entire network. Right. So you're going to spend the money and the time and effort to get to where you have that larger percent of mining happening on your pool. It makes it no sense. against your interest to crash Bitcoin by shaking everybody's trust in Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, unless you were executing a several billion dollar double spend, which there's not a single address out there that contains enough Bitcoins to do that type of double spend. And at the same time, the person who receives that double spend has equally the ability to say, that's not a valid transaction. We don't recognize, you may own 51% of the network, but we don't recognize your, your transaction. It's fraudulent. Okay. So we'll kind of stay in the mining vein here. I read an article about the Consumer Electronics Show. 
the, yeah. the big one that 2014 Consumer Electronics Show just happened. I guess it was in Vegas. Um, and they uh, they had Bitcoin cracked the Consumer Electronics Show. It was Butterfly Labs had set up a booth and had a, uh, a card sitting there that was producing, I think, 0.02 Bitcoin a day, something like that. Um, I mean, it seemed like it made a pretty big splash. I think it was because they were the only ones there. I, there was uh, another company, Hashfest, who oh. was supposed to be there, but their booth was a ghost town, probably due to the fact that they were supposed to deliver their working miners at the end of October. It was now the beginning of January, and there are still no confirmed fully working miners. So they have thousands and thousands of dollars in BTC of customers, and all they had was uh, essentially a picture of their CEO holding up what looked to be a package of wafers. But outside of the company, that's the only confirmation we have that they actually have a chip. Goodness. Outside of a press release with their chip partner. So yeah, there's there's been a lot of um, shady stuff going around. I mean, it's a new industry that happens every time a new industry opens up. Some people get in, they find angles to take advantage of people, you know, Ponzi schemes, all these things. So With the increasing bit rate, though, delivery times are extremely important to a miner, yeah. and that's been a big issue in the community. Two weeks can make the difference between profitability and you just bought a bag of bricks. So, tell us a little bit about how you got into the Bitcoin game and, and what you're doing now. Well, it grew directly out of, uh, I guess you could say, almost an obsession with uh, gaming computers. My first Bitcoin mining rig was back in, uh, I want to say, summer of 2010, back when GPU mining first hit big and when uh, MT Gox broke 35, 33 or $35 for the first time. And uh, to me back then, you know, it, it was how most people still think of it today. You know, it's just this play, internet, fake money. But hey, by putting a bunch of graphics cards together and some motherboards in my garage, which is something I would do anyways, I might be able to make a couple hundred bucks over a summer. So I ended up with, uh, back at the time, it was a big deal, about 2.2 giga hashes worth of GPU miners. All sorts of different kinds, bought all of them from... Craigslist and Fry's and Micro Center and just ran them in my garage. Nothing special. Really didn't pay that much attention. Blew plenty of breakers. Uh, parents got mad at me for using too much electricity. Pretty standard starting story. Um, then after that summer, I pretty much dropped it to focus on school up until this summer and the first ASICs with uh, Avalon and Butterfly Labs. And then the massive run-up in price in, Oct- in April and the first you know, market waves that that created for the first time, Bitcoin was seen as a viable business. And then it just got to the point where uh, I was still going to school. Uh, had a couple people ask me, hey, you know how to run computers. Can you help us run our ASIC miners? I said, sure, I guess I've got an empty room at my apartment. Uh, my good friend who lives three apartments down has an empty room in his apartment. We've got a little extra power. It's not that expensive. Would be some excellent spending money. And then from there, we grew to having a 6,900-square-foot warehouse with 400 amps of 240 volt, and that warehouse was filled within two weeks of us moving into it. So you're, you are involved with Jonathan Cohn, who we had on our first episode 
and the cipher, um, what is the name? Cy- Cy- just cipher? Cipher Trust. Cipher Trust, okay. I believe we got permission from the state of Texas. Yeah, I thought there, there, there might have been an issue with that because um, it wasn't, uh, fine. it's like a financial thing whenever you call it a trust, right, or something. Yeah. You have to do some, um, and that's a, you got a warehouse in Colorado, and so when do you think that's going to be fully online? Um, as of last week, it's, it's pretty much online. We got the last of our equipment, the last of our cabling in this week. Got the electricians finished up. Um, finally able to put in our office and our extra personnel. No longer have to stay at hotels, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but that warehouse will be fully online and fully filled by the end of February at the latest. And what uh, is there? Is it a mining co-op that you've got set up, or, or is it still just hosting for mining for other? It's really. It's not even really a co-op. It's really kind of a conglomerate. Operating out of that warehouse, we have our hosting services, we have our sales services, we have our customer service. In addition, that's also our prototyping facility for some of our further upcoming projects. So if people were interested in getting involved, it's just through Cypher Trust, or how do they find you guys? Well, um, mainly through the Bitcoin Talk forums or through personal recommendations is... I mean, uh, we're driving plenty of business that way, almost to the point where we can't keep up. Just hired uh, five additional employees this month, and I'm already looking at the next batch. Um, The amount of demand and the amount of, um, even just the amount of questions that we're getting asked over the last three months has increased tenfold. So what are some of the questions that folks are asking you? get a lot of people who just they don't know anything about bitcoin mining but they've seen the forums they see that our company and i have a presence there and that we're very one of the things that my company prides itself on is our communication um our email turnaround is usually less than four or five hours if we're if one of our employees is awake or i'm awake um i take phone calls pretty much although our business hours are from 10 to 10 I've occasionally taken phone calls from customers at 3 or 4 in the morning. I guess our Scandinavian customers don't realize they're about 12 hours off. It's a worldwide business. <laughs> it is. Um, we've got partners in China, partners in Australia, partners in the UK, partners in Germany. Um, it truly is a global business. In fact, one of my largest hosting customers is based in the Netherlands. He, doesn't want it. he did not want to have to deal with customs and all the loud, noisy equipment. So... Um, for what is a fractional cost of what it co- actually one of these machines can generate for a month, you can essentially pay my company to babysit it. Okay, it's the great thing about Bitcoin is it really does break down borders. That it doesn't matter if you're yeah. you know in the apartment next door like your friend was, or if you're all the way in Scandinavia. Really, the only way it makes a difference is is time zones for communication. And if I ever have to ship packages, Sweden takes up to five days where I can get packaged anyone in the United States within a day. Okay, you've talked a lot about electrical consumption, and it seems like in mining that that's always an issue. Um, I would say be, uh, both electrical consumption and heat removal are, are the biggest challenges. Whether you're talking about a single-scale, small unit that you have running in your bedroom or closet to a warehouse, it's just a matter of scale. and It's equally difficult for everyone at every level. So when these chips are hashing, they're producing... The first generation ASIC miners uh, from ASIC miner and from Avalon 
would consume anywhere from 8 to 12 watts per gigahash. And what do you think from like the Bitcoin network, the environmental impact of using so much electricity? Um, you know, it really, it, it's a huge amount of power and that's, that's a concern in and of itself, but it's, it's no worse than the waste in our financial industries from the amount of paper, the legal industry from just, just any number of industries are going to have a huge amount of waste. At least in this case, that waste can be harnessed. Heat is, is very useful for a large number of tasks and electricity with at high cost can be produced via renewable sources. So if you were really looking for sustainability in the Bitcoin world, it's much more sustainable to have warehouses full of computer equipment running on solar or nuclear power than it is to continually cut down hundreds of thousands of trees a year to feed our textbooks. Do you think we'll see a time where you'll have a hot... I've heard people say that you'll have a hot water heater in your house that is also a Bitcoin miner. There's no reason why that couldn't happen. Are there other applications where that heat could be used or harnessed? I mean, heating hot water, uh, other warehouses you know, that might have more uh, usage, or offices that have the hot water cooling systems in their concrete floors. What if instead of paying to heat that hot water, you could have some Bitcoin miners that heat that water for you? Or better yet, even at uh, my apartment that I personally stay at in my employees' apartments, we actually have a couple of Bitcoin miners running in each apartment. We did the cost analysis and it clearly showed that even with the most inefficient of Bitcoin miners, producing some small amount of Bitcoin over time and then using the waste heat to heat your apartment is more efficient than running pretty much any electric or gas-based heater. Hmm, okay. That's interesting. I had a question, actually, about the mining. What What is the method for uh, changing the mining process? I've heard that uh, it takes 80% of miners to agree on a change in the... Yeah, when there's, a, when there's a change in the protocol, um, essentially client updates are released, uh, Via, there's a programming team that does it. It's all open source and released to the community. And then in order for that update to become the blockchain, a majority of miners and clients have to accept the changes. They have to download the update or have it auto-download and then proceed with that. So once over 50% of the miners accept or download that new protocol, that becomes the... Essentially, yeah. It, I mean, it takes a little time for these changes to propagate and everything, but... I mean, if you if you look at the kind of chaos that a simple update to online banking software can cause, this is relatively problem-free. Or uh, a governmental uh, trying to put out an insurance website. Yeah. I mean, decentralization has its strengths and its weaknesses, but this is definitely one of its strengths. It's much harder for it to be broken because there's so much talent and so much transparency involved. So that, you know, talking about the idea of Bitcoin and how it's decentralized and that makes it strong, what uh, more big picture, what do you think Bitcoin is or can be? Like, what does it mean to you on a grander scale, not just a business to be in and money to be made, but how does it's it... It's financial freedom. For example, uh, I work very closely and have... A, agreement with Black Arrow Technologies based out of Shenzhen and Hong Kong. Um, 
I collect pre-orders for them. I'm one of their resellers. Uh, I take two forms of payment. I can take dollars via wire, check, etc., or Bitcoin. When I then have to pay them for the goods that I order, for me to send them any wire greater than $10,000, it usually takes me even from a business account to a business account that I have a formal agreement with and I've done before. Wire takes three to five days. I get charged anywhere from $30 to $100 in total fees, depending on the amount and time frame and everything. And twice now, I've had issues where it's the exact same wire. It's a repeat on my online account. It's the same information. I don't change anything, just the amount. I've had two wires that have failed. There, it, my bank said something along the lines of their bank didn't receive the funds or their account information was wrong. Don't understand why. The other transactions work perfectly fine. Bit, when I have to pay them in Bitcoin, they gave me an, they give me an address and an invoice. I pay the address on the invoice. Within six minutes, it's fully confirmed and done for about a 50-cent fee. It seems like it's a difference between a telegraph and an email. I'd say it's the difference between the old-style Western Pony Express <laughs> and an email. Yeah. Nice. Because the, the guy on the horse can get lost, he can get shot, he can get robbed. Yeah. Whereas the email is sent from a server, received by a server. Very little chance for it to get lost in between. Good point. Do you do any mining of alternative coins? Yes, we have a pretty large number of script-based machines, which are like the old-style Bitcoin miners, just consumer motherboards, consumer graphics cards hooked up to the largest wattage power supplies I can find. And are you speculating on these coins or just looking for what provides the most value? Um, mostly it's speculation. Uh the coin that's mined most seriously would be Litecoin as the top of the script coins. And I have quite a few Litecoin. I'm hoping it becomes Bitcoin silver. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's much more risky because it is a speculative in investment. All these script-based coins, most of them are one-off experiments or trying something new. But at the same time, in buying consumer off-the-shelf hardware, my other business is still IT repair, computer Parts sales. So, from a risk investment risk standpoint, buying script miners based on consumer equipment is much, much safer because your worst case scenario is you can sell this gear as used, used gaming computers. It's, it has many other uses outside of Bitcoin, which all the Bitcoin ASIC miners really only have the ability to mine other uh, SHA 256 coins and really not much at least at this time, use outside of Bitcoin. And in regards to Litecoin, ASICs haven't entered Litecoin yet, right? They're, or they're not mining? Kind of. There are several companies who have said that they have ASICs or they're working on ASICs that can do script, but script from a design standpoint was designed to be, I don't want to say impossible because in the computing world, we say something's impossible and then we solve it five years later. It was designed to be as hard as possible for an ASIC-type chip to take over Litecoin. Because the, I guess the developers of Litecoin wanted to try to keep it more accessible. But it may be my, more accessible, but the Bitcoin network is much more secure. Because as we talked about earlier, with the double spend, all you need is a certain amount of hash power to essentially run the network into the ground. And if you look at the multiple, multiple petahashes the Bitcoin network does, 
you would need something on the order of a government making a very, very large investment in buying these chips, doing these designs, building large data centers in order to even try to compete to take over the network to try and crush it. And that's something that would be, you could not cover that up. You would, needing, you would be needing to take over foundries and things like that on such a scale that no matter, I mean, unless the government's going to go out and build their own foundries, hire their own engineers, very, very hard for them to keep something like that under wraps. Whereas with Litecoin, they could just reach out to AMD and be like, we're going to divert 55% of your shipments for the next two quarters so we can take out the script miners. It's a plausible scenario. Sure. Very, 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 very unlikely, but it's something that could happen. So have you seen all the different alternate coins that are out there, all the different names? I can't keep up with them. Yeah, well, There's, so you've seen a bunch of them. Though. Yeah. So what is your uh, your favorite name of an altcoin so far? Dogcoin's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Although the whole internet promotion cult behind it is not <laughs> so cool. Hey, man, wag, wag the dog. <laughs> I'm the, a hobo nickel kind of guy. Yeah. And I and I just stuck with Texas and went with the barbecue coin, so that's kind of where we're where we're at on that. Can I redeem the barbecue coin for half rack of ribs? Uh, you know, I maybe it's, maybe somewhere. It, it's backed by sauce. <laughs> yeah, it's a sauce backed coin. Um, so, and then another interesting thing we've talked about on here before is uh, so on a scale from uh, a percentage scale, like one to a hundred, how likely is it that you think? Um, Bitcoin is the uh, is the one world currency that Revelations talked about, and that's a sign of the end of the world. I'd give it about a 50-50. That's possible. <laughs> Anything's possible. I mean, it's really hard to predict where this is all going to go. No one predicted us having a relatively stable $500 plus price range for any sort of time yeah. six months ago, let alone... You know, two years ago. Well, not even two months ago, people thought it was done, and it rebounded. It yeah. took China's criticism and just kept going. Well, it moved so quickly, and, and a lot of people who are involved in Bitcoin are younger and aren't used to the uh, financial swings that Bitcoin can provide. Where, you know, we were talking about that Reddit post that was on the top after uh, that bubbled second oh, the, the suicide hotline. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. And when you're saying that, yeah, I mean, Bitcoin has sustained... <laughs> A five hundred dollar price value for six months now over five hundred. Not only that, it survived a five hundred five hundred dollar price value and five hundred dollar value swings. Yes, I'd like to see another class of any sort of investment vehicle commodity that can survive that kind of percentage swings within the within the time frames that Bitcoin does, and it still be considered even remotely serious. Yeah. If gold went from $1,200 an ounce to $600 an ounce, then back up to $800 an ounce, you can be guaranteed that everyone everywhere would be talking about that. Oh, and people would be calling that hotline nonstop. Because <laughs> they're buying... It would, I don't think very many people bought Bitcoin when it was at $1,200. That's probably part of it. It was there for such a short time and then ducked back down. Maybe some people that invested in mining and all that were like, oh, dang it, but then it, it just rebounded, you know. It, well, it's a complete free market, a, and you, you can't control a free market, and it's going to do what it's going to do. And it's actually kind of funny because there's, at least from what I've noticed, not backed up by any specific data I've actually collected, but it actually seems, at least for me personally, the higher the Bitcoin price goes, the less likely I am to sell my coins. Because right. the higher the value is, there's that psychological barrier where, you know, with most people and most investments, they have a their minimum bailout. Mm-hmm. 
But as the price keeps hitting new highs, correcting, and then going back up, I'm much more tolerant of those swings. And not just that, but every time the swing is, is less psychologically scary because you said, well, we survived the last one. There's nothing fundamentally different about this one. It must just be a correction. I'm going to wait for the price to go down and double up on my coins. Sure. Yeah. And there's, I am not nearly the only one who thinks like that. There's a whole line of people waiting in line to buy Bitcoin if it drops back below $500 because that seems to be a psychological price point where people are just like, buy, 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 buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it has, to them, it has that much inherent value. We've talked a lot on this on this podcast so far about um, politically what Bitcoin means to people in places like Venezuela or Argentina or China or hell. I mean, even we haven't talked about this yet, but I mean, Greece. You know, uh, if you have somebody with money in Greece, uh, it's probably pretty hard to keep making money. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think you know? remittance payments is really where it's at. You know, uh, Bitcoin has Western Union. In yes. It. Yes, targets. There's, there's absolutely no reason for Western Union to exist if Bitcoin is. They take full advantage of the blockchain and of the network, not just. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin. You can use Litecoin for remittance, but the the strength lies within the network. Western, now, Western Union is pretty gross. I saw a sign outside that says uh, uh, five dollar transaction fee for up to fifty dollars. You can send up to fifty dollars. So, at at the best value, it's going to be a 10% fee to send $50. But if you're sending $10, it's a 50% fee. You're still paying $5. And people that aren't able to or aren't able to maintain a checking account or aren't able to write checks, sometimes this is their only means. And they are just getting... And it's still better than those check cashing places. Yeah, it just gets worse and worse. So a couple more news items I wanted to... Uh talk about one you know we've talked before about we you could change the world if you could just start voting on individual things in congress with you know everybody start giving a bitcoin or even even in dollars it didn't really matter if if united states citizens could vote on individual things and choose to fund something or not fund something well there's a organization that has created a you know, like a pack, like a group of people for lobbying purposes. Mm-hmm. It's called BitPack, and they've they've created this where they're going to make a fund and they're going to pay legislatures to vote pro Bitcoin. So there's a chance there. They're going to we're going to start paying legislators in Bitcoin. I think we might be cracking open the demon here. I think Bitcoin's price has got to go up a lot more before we compete with the likes of <laughs> it big might, tobacco. It might and, take more than one Bitcoin to get get tobacco uh, off its seat. Uh. It, it's going to be a uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of Bitcoin before uh, they start paying attention to us instead of Exxon or BP. But at the same time, we don't we don't need that direct attention right now. And you know, in some some lights, you know, no no interaction, no no clarification is is better. Mm-hmm. It's a little. It's more uncertain as a business environment, and those are risks that I have to take into account. But at the same time, I don't need the government to tell me the due diligence steps that I need to take, anyways. Right. I'm still going to. I'm still going to get the proper certifications, money transmitting, everything like that, even if it's not a legally defined necessity right now. Because if and when that happens, I'd like to already be done. Sure. There's there's no reason 
for the government to require a large number of these rules and regulations. These are things that businesses should be doing from the beginning because they're a business. Well, I agree with that. But, uh, unfortunately, they're already talking about it. Yeah. It already is getting the attention. It's front-page news almost every day. And, uh, I mean, it's, I'd rather start giving them some money to vote your way instead of voting the other. Yeah. I think we've passed the tipping point, though. I mean, all they can all they can do is hurt the U.S. Uh, potential as far as being a Bitcoin market and being able to take advantage of this technology. There's a huge number of companies, mine including, who are U.S.-based that we would prefer to remain in the country. We'd prefer to contribute our tax dollars to the country. I mean, we're we're not. We'd like not to be shut out of this market. We're not trying to replace. The U.S. dollar. I think that the dollar still has a lot of it. It has a lot of use. It has a lot of utility. We still Bitcoin is not going to replace fiat currencies. At least not. If it happens within my lifetime, I'll be surprised. But it's there's whole industries, whole businesses that are built upon ignorance and unnecessary fees. That Bitcoin can replace and pop up a whole new slew of industries in its place. Okay. Well, um, we're getting close to our 30 minutes here, or we already are there, maybe. Um, and I just, I wanted to, Dennis Rodman has taken a whole <laughs> lot of negativity, and he's one of my favorite basketball players ever, okay? Yeah. And and I wanted to just throw out some alternative ideas, because everybody's like, oh, Dennis Rodman won't save this guy, Kenneth Bay, that was in North Korea, got arrested, I don't know why he got arrested. Nobody knows why they arrested him necessarily, but he's being held by, I don't know, insert whatever syllables it is, the North Korean dictator. And uh, Dennis Rodman's real good friends with him because the guy likes basketball. He's there now, and Dennis Rodman doesn't want to talk about Kenneth Bay, so I can understand. Um, But at the same time Dennis Rodman was in North Korea, the first Bitcoin was bought from a North Korean server. So don't, you know, don't, keep Dennis Rodman down here. He might have been trying to buy Kenneth Bay out of there with Bitcoin. Just keep that in mind. Everybody rushes to conclusions. Well, I'm, I'm happy to hear that Dennis Rodman is going over there because it does hopefully take North Korea in a better direction, but I think a better sign than that is a Bitcoin transaction happening in North Korea yeah. because something like Bitcoin could really change uh, the horrible condition that a lot of North Koreans have. Yeah, to add that to the list of folks that could be freed by having their money yeah. to themselves. Well, so. Matt, we really appreciate you coming in and enjoyed no uh, your expertise on mining. I, I know I learned a lot. Yeah. And what I understood, I learned a little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I mean, even after months and months of reading pretty much every material I can get my hands on and learning from everyone I do business with, I still understand very little. It's, uh, it's quite daunting, but at the same time... Uh, there's, there's nothing stopping anyone from starting a Bitcoin business or having their, their business accepting Bitcoin. Even if you only make a couple sales, it's you put that logo on your front door, you put it on your business cards, and soon we've got a real thing going on here. Yeah, yeah. All these vendors, uh, Starbucks, let's get on it. Come on. I'd expect you to have been there already. <laughs> um, but uh, so, Matt, tell us. Uh, the company that you're working with, how folks can find you. I mean, I know y'all are already getting hand over fist interest in you, but 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we run uh, our company's uh, called Minor Hosting LLC, based out of Colorado, uh, Denver to be specific. And then our website is minorsource.net. Um, we handle our, that's our sales portal. Uh, I apologize, it's still under construction. Uh, other than that, uh, I accept pretty much all inquiries via email or phone. My contact information is right on the website. Uh, pretty straightforward. Otherwise, you can find me, as stated earlier, as Bob Sag 3 on the Bitcoin Talk forums. I uh, post around there quite a bit. Awesome. All right, James. So what do you think about this one? I think uh, it was a good podcast. All right. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so that was me and James again. It's Bitcoin Sandwich. We've enjoyed having you. We hope to do a lot more of these and bring you some more experts in the business. Um, y'all take it easy, guys. Talk to you later.